Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Um, we're just going to keep going with that discussion from last week. Uh, Chris Kahi on the line. And uh, we're talking about Mark Kahlberg and uh, his processing of Klein in terms of a summary. So stay with us. We're going to keep going uh, with that discussion. We're dealing with Covenant Theology and Reform Perspective by Mark Kahlberg and looking at the last chapter. Just... Um, just some of the stuff in the chapter. I said last time we, we've come to the very threshold of the article itself, just introducing Mark Kahlberg. Mark Kahlberg. And, um, and so we won't t- talk through the whole thing, but maybe just give some elements that will hopefully uh, pique your interest if you want to go ahead and read that. So looking through the next page and uh, about halfway through that page, he says, Klein's work builds upon the thinking of three giants in the Reformed tradition. John Kelvin, Gerhardus Fass, and Cornelius Van Til. What do you think of that, Chris? Um, that's exactly what Klein said about himself, too. Cool. So. All right. That, I thought that was interesting. Just those three particular... I mean, I can see Voss, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Til, uh, like I've slowly come to see that as I've become more and more cognizant of what, what Van Til was all about. Um, and I suppose there I'm thinking primarily of, of just the covenantal lens, uh, you know, through which to see all of... All of script, all of creation, and, and that sort of thing. I see all of that coming through in Klein quite clearly, um, and uh, maybe the antithesis thing and all that as well. Uh, and then John Kelvin, I wouldn't have thought, you know, but having just recently gone through Tuninger's thing on Kelvin and the two kingdoms, I suppose you know his whole thing was like two kingdoms should be two ages, and uh, then we're thinking in terms of Kelvin's thoughts. And I suppose in that sense, you're very close to Vas again, and you've got that eschatology. Uh, in view. Is that what he has in mind with uh, Kelvin? Um, I'm sure that that's involved. What um, I tend to think of is when you read the Institutes, you realize that assurance is really important to Kelvin. He spends a lot of time on that. And even though Klein doesn't really use the word assurance very much, Mm. you can see that that's um, near and dear to his heart because when he talks about... um, the work of Christ placing us beyond probation. All right. What he's doing right. is giving us assurance. Yeah. Okay. So you got the law gospel thing and the, the, the major play on assurance and liberty and all that. Yeah. Okay. I can see yeah. that for sure. Yeah. Almost like uh, almost Lutheran, except not quite in that you're moving into the reformed <laughs> tradition. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. Well, that makes sense. And I think that's helpful just to kind of see those guys as the, the touchstones upon which um, his work built. Uh, he says, um, his skillful employment of extra biblical material for the interpretation of scripture, notably ancient Near Eastern treaty documents, his keen perception of the compatibility between general and special revelation, nature and scripture, reflects something of Klein's debt to Van Til. Both of these theologians have emphasized the covenantal nature of all God's revelation, and in so doing, have demonstrated the fruitful interaction of general and special revelation. A covenantal understanding of God's uh, disclosures in nature and scripture is an indispensable element in theistic presuppositionalism as advocated by Van Til. Cool. So I see that. Definitely the the presuppositionalism, the theistic idea, you know, it's all, it, it Klein never departs from that in any tangible way. I could see that at least. Um, yeah. And then just jumping to the next paragraph. Um, secondly, Klein's extensive use of biblical theology ex- distinguishes him as the leading contemporary exponent of the tradition of 
Thus, historically speaking, the rise and development of covenant theology have close ties to the discipline of biblical theology. Now, I'm just thinking, probably now, be just going on our last conversation, that would be Beale, right? He's the, he's the leading exponent, or who would you say? I mean, probably in this day, Klein was the leading guy. Uh, who's the who's the ultimate Vassian today? Yeah. Well, so I mean, the thing is, uh, for better or for worse, there was a fork in the road, and um, Klein represents one stream coming from Voss, and I think Gaffin represented the other stream. Right. I'm not sure how Beale would identify himself, but institutionally, he's more identified with, with that Gaffin stream. Yeah. yeah. Although, as we said, I mean, like his his being okay with that subservient covenant thing, you know, I suppose just kind of is an important thing, right? For that, for that yes. fork in the road. And Klein, and Klein was always very appreciative of Beale when he talked about him in class. So, um, right, cool. I, I'm sure that makes things uncomfortable. I, in fact, I actually got to shake Beale's hand at an evangelical theological society meeting. Right. And, uh, when I told him that I had gone to Westminster and studied under Klein, I could see him get really nervous. Wow. Um, and I said, you know, Meredith always spoke very highly of you in class and wow. he thanked me and walked away. But <laughs> so did he, um, did Beale like, does he, or oh, I suppose what am I asking when Klein knew him, he had already put out some significant works already. Right. So he, Klein would have read a, a few of, Beale's I'm pretty work, sure like, that's the only way Klein knew him was by his writings. Okay, so they weren't actual teacher-student in a classroom setting. Right, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I'm just wondering, he wouldn't have put out that biblical theology yet. And he, you know, probably just would True. have been just that temple stuff, maybe, would have connected him to what Klein was saying. I think that came out early, the church and the temple, or whatever it was called. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, like now, as you say, I mean, it's interesting because it's almost like you don't even want to think about who's the Vassian guy. You want to think about either the Vassian guy or the Kleinian guy. Um, yeah. Well, There's... I mean, out of Voss come these two streams, and I'm not sure who. Right. So you want to the... say is really carrying the Klein mantle these days? Yeah, true. Man, you know what this reminds me of? It's like what? a it's like a jujitsu black belt organization. <laughs> it's like you know how they get all crazy about their tradition and uh and they're like this this was the sensei and he handed on the thing to this guy i mean typically you'd you'd sort of open the in the dojo website page and it gives you a long spiel about how this guy's the true gracie jiu-jitsu guy <laughs> and, you know, who's the who's the true gracie jiu-jitsu climate is the question um man I'm, i i think my vote is with uh with lee irons though i mean he's got a in terms know, of his Thinking and writing, absolutely. Um, it's just... Um, he just needs to write more books about Klein. I'm, all that stuff I'm sad about that he doesn't get to... in Greek and stuff. Like, I mean, who cares about that anyway? <laughs> uh, I'm sad that Lee doesn't get to teach in a, a major uh, seminary or something. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is Klein doesn't really have a representative institutionally. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. Although Horton, right? Horton would be the guy. Probably. I mean, because he's not um, even shy Horton, to like mention Klein. You know, he wrote no. the forward for the book and that sort of thing, you know? Horton will um, very proudly name Klein yeah. and talk about Klein. But um, Horton, it, of course, Gaffin was the systematic theology prof at Philadelphia and Horton is a systematic theology prof at Westminster. Yeah. Um, 
So, so we need the yeah. who is the biblical theology guy in, at Westminster Seminary now? The at California. I mean, I guess the closest I would say would be uh, Brian Estelle. Yeah. I mean, he teaches Old Testament, but he's not doing it. He's not the guy. He assigns uh, Klein's works right. definitely, but he's not like he's not a guy. He's not a dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not I appreciate legend, he's not a guy of legendary awesomeness you know, <laughs> is what we're saying uh, don't hate me brian if you're listening <laughs> no, i'm joking i mean uh, no it's still i'm looking forward to reading some of his stuff it's on the list you know and uh, i'm sure i'm sure it'll be a treat so he was yeah, on the republication thing he was the guy i'm like dude all i'm saying is he could have made you know you got estelle on the republication thing <sighs> And it's coming out yep. like all wonky. And I'm like, dude, sorry, Estelle, you're off my list. If Horton uh, was on there, everything would be sweet. Politics is all I can say about those committees. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. So on that point, um, moving on. Um, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, because Kahlberg would have been the guy, just thinking about it now. Kahlberg would have been with the, you know, did he ever teach anywhere? Just in his local church is my understanding. Dude, that is just so messed up. I don't understand the <laughs> world sometimes. This is crazy. Yeah, with like yeah. Kahlberg and Irons and you, well, what's going on with you guys? You need to be put. I think we need to start picketing outside of, <laughs> of a seminary. Or either that, or you guys all need to move to New Zealand and we'll fix the problem. We'll start taking over there from yourself, go. you know? <laughs> I would not be opposed to that. Um, I can say that that was really um, a major reason why we started the Glory Cloud podcast, was yeah, so sure. that we could be teaching Klein's theology. Why didn't you get like Kahlberg on the Glory Cloud? Like he would be like a dude for that, wouldn't he? True. Um, you should try. And do I that. don't know why we haven't. Yeah, because it, it'd be like because he's gonna make it public enemy number one. That's why he's gonna bring you some hate. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna bring the heat. Maybe, maybe yep. like, you know, what happens when you get past 60, you start chilling out. Either you go like super hardcore or you go like kind of liberal. Um, maybe he's gone the liberal way. Maybe. Oh, I, I doubt he's gone liberal, but. Um... But at least like not so much testosterone going, you know? <laughs> right. You might even like shed a tear or two. It might be a soft experience. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, boy. Okay, good. Um, now. Just thinking about, uh, there was one more thing I just wanted to cover. We've got those three guys, uh, which is helpful. Oh, right, yeah. Um, just talks about systematics and biblical theology. We've kind of covered that. And then um, um, at one and the same, I'm on page 359, uh, right at the bottom there. At one and the same time, Voss emphasized the continuity and discontinuity of God's kingdom program as it has progressively unfolded in redemptive history. Klein, more than any other single individual, has developed and refined the amillennial interpretation of the two testaments. Covenant theology is biblical theology eschatologically informed. I really like that. Uh, that is to say, uh, reformed theology of the Vassian variety. These three aspects of Klein's hermeneutical me uh, method, Ventilian presuppositionalism, Vassian biblical theology, and, and Calvinian eschatology. That's, that's, that's what made me think about the two ages thing earlier mm, you know okay. i wasn't so yeah. much thinking about the assurance track but um you know I th it, so like because he makes this whole other thing that kelvin was amillennial and no one knows it and everything do you think that's just a Kahlberg weird thing i i mean he would definitely run into some stiff resistance you know if he tried to claim yeah. that 
Okay. Yeah, because that was almost like a stated fact. By the way, no one knows this, but Kelvin was anal anyway. <laughs> and that's why Meredith Klein should be, you know, thought of as a successor to Kelvin, you know, because he right. too is amillennial. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> um, uh, so stuff like that is kind of weird. But, um, but, you know, on that point, I mean, I totally see it. I get the whole, uh, just everything tuning it was saying about Kelvin. I mean, if that's true, then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very, very Kleinian all the way through. He's just basically right. setting up this whole, you know, redemptive community and common grace idea the whole way through. And then, of course, it's coming out all weird with the Constantinian application and whatnot. But, but you know, in terms of this theory in book four of the Institutes, it's pretty amazing. Um, so mm -hmm. anyway, um, there's that. He was obviously way ahead of his day uh, with, the, with the eschatology, regardless of whether he was amillennial or not. So with Klein and amillennialism, was he a rabid amillennial guy? Klein. What oh, absolutely. He like? So he was full on. Because, I mean, like, where does that, which book does that come through the most in? Is that like uh, the night vision thing? The um, or It's probably where he has it in his books most explicitly. Mm -hmm. um, he, he took time in class to stop and talk about it. Right. Okay. And was really like, I'm on a mission to convert you pre and post millennialists. Brilliant. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to know. It doesn't, cause you know, and again, like now that I've read that, it'll probably pop out everywhere in these books, but um, you know, in, in, in terms of, I don't, I wouldn't have come away from kingdom prologue necessarily thinking, okay, you know, he was, I know he was out to get any implications of post millennialism and, you know, any implications of pre millennialism, but he wasn't going there directly, so to speak. And, right. um, and so, yeah, it's just good to know that he actually did connect those dots quite clearly in his own mind. And he wanted you to be a millennial. I like that. That's good. <laughs> um, it's almost like, I wish he did write a book on it though, because it's almost like we need a, a, a you know, the aim, like you think about, um, Bible in the future, Hukuma and all that. You know, those mm -hmm. are great books in terms of just bringing the, 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 um, just interacting with some of what dispensationalism brought to the table and whatnot. But, you know, they tend to be quite optimistic as, as, uh, almost like post-millennial sort of things going on there or neo-Calvinist, uh, you don't, you don't get left with a Kleinian undergirding so much, um, in, in that kind of amillennialism. So it would be good. I mean, maybe, uh, Riddlebarger, his book, um, yeah, that would be a great um, popular level introduction. To yeah, with a with a kind of a more pessimistic leaning is what I'm after. You know, like well, that's the thing is that Klein really got irritated about that language in class. Um, yeah, I remember we talked said, about this at, at some point. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I like it. It makes <laughs> us brace ourselves. You know, it's just it's gonna get real dark and crazy. Not quite seven year tribulation with the rapture in the middle, but just not good either. Right. So, I mean, I think the, if you could try to distill what Klein was saying about eschatology, he would say God wins by losing. By losing. And I like it because that's what happened at the cross. And that's what we got to do. So, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you can hear the, the note of optimism in the first part and you can hear the note of pessimism in the last part. And I think he would just say, keep those terms away from me and I'm just going to talk right, about... Like, are you going to call the cross optimistic or pessimistic? Like, what are you right. going to do? You know, like, I mean, those are the wrong <laughs> terms to talk about mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but um, still, you end up with that kind of, well, what I suppose Luther slash Horton talk about all, all the time is a theology of glory coming through, you know, right. and we need more of a theology of the cross. Uh, maybe that is a better way to think about it. Um, 
you know, just and, and that Kleinian sort of undergirding, uh, w- which I think gives you a theology of the cross through and through um, to the point of amillennial eschatology would be very helpful. I mean, I was, I was, I think we had this conversation before, but I, f- I was chatting to someone who was post-millennial and they, they just didn't even understand the concept of a pessimistic amillennialism. They, they just could only conceive of it in sort of like the only, only difference between post-millennial eschatology and amillennial eschatology for them is that, you know, we just stopped short of the, the, the triumphant age of the church or something, <laughs> but really there was no undergirding difference. And I was trying to show him not, you know, this, there's a world of difference going on in terms of our outlook here. And, um, and really, but what about the, the, the commentary on Zechariah that he wrote? Uh, wouldn't that be quite a strong, almost, wouldn't you get amillennialism out of that? Yeah, because um, he took some articles that he had written for the journal uh, Kerux on yeah. Revelation and included those in that commentary. So you really do get a lot of his yeah. uh, millennial material through his interaction with Revelation. Right. You mix that up a little bit with the God, Heaven, and Armageddon, and you've kind of got a full picture there, right? There you go. Yeah, totally. We should make our own commentary. We should like take all these little things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and edit them and put them in a commentary on Revelation. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, I'm so full of great ideas today. <laughs> I've just got. <laughs> we should get Goldberg. It can flow right out of your dissertation. Uh, what's that? It can flow right out of your PhD dissertation. Oh, dude, totally. Yeah, it'd be the worst commentary ever. <laughs> um, okay, so um, there was one more thing I had highlighted here. Let me just scroll down and see if I can find it. Just to round this discussion off. Um, oh, uh, just this last, this is really takes you right to the, um, the edge of the actual substance of the article itself. Uh, he says, in what follows, uh, our discussion will proceed according to the traditional order of dogmatics, revelation in scripture, God, humanity, um, and church and eschatology. And, um, and then he relates client to each one of those categories which I thought was a really helpful approach. You know, just the thing that threw the article off for me is his interaction with current, quote unquote, you know, discussions. It was just like, okay, you know, it just kind of took away from everything. But, uh, you know, you had a limited amount of space to work with there anyway. You could have just talked a little bit more about what Klein said. Um, But, you know, it's really helpful. So I thought it might be good just to let people know about that article, which they almost certainly wouldn't know about otherwise. Um, And there we go. If you want to run through what he says on those basic categories of, of, of systematic theology, um, he does a good job. Revelation in Scripture kind of tucks into everything Klein said about the, you know, canon and, um, right. you know, you got the structure of biblical authority there and everything. God and humanity, I suppose, was images of the spirit, um, you right. know, just tucking into anthropology, you know, uh, the spirit, you know, and it's really obviously a fresh sort of take on all of that, but but definitely interwoven into all of that. And then church and eschatology. I mean, that's king and prologue. It's, you know, everything. So, Yeah. Definitely. And he wouldn't have written God, Heaven, and Harmageddon at, at the point that Karlberg wrote this, but I think that would be a, a big contribution to church and eschatology. For again. sure. Absolutely. You guys have just finished that on Glory Cloud now, right? We did. Yep. I just finished editing the last episode last night. Um, it was it was bittersweet. I mean, I loved going through it. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish it would have been as long as Kingdom Prologue just because yeah. the material was so rich. So good. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you guys? Um we're taking a break uh, in December, and we will come back in 2020 with um, this is my uh, my own name for the series, but sort of like Klein Applied. 
So okay. we're going to take some contemporary issues and apply what we've learned from Klein to those. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the first things we will talk about is two kingdoms. Yeah. Uh, seems to be a, an evergreen topic. Yes. Um, but we also had a listener reach out and ask us to talk about nuthetic counseling. And I don't know if that has plagued <laughs> uh, New Zealand like it has the United States, but yeah. um, we'll take, I think Todd is planning a three-part series and talk about nuthetic counseling. Cool. So you've, you've gone through all of these books now, right? Yes. Um, we still have the collected writings that have come out since we started the podcast. Right. And I guess we could go through his commentary on Genesis that also came out since we started the podcast. True, but true. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging that both of those came out like since you started. Yeah. yeah wow. Um, okay, cool. So that's sort of what we could expect. Cause I mean, my goodness, you guys are out on your own now. You've left the nest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we also ha we have uh, a treasure trove of articles that we could that's true. go through. Yeah, but uh, I, I like interacting with what the listeners um, yeah. are telling us that they're actually interested in. So. Yeah, brilliant, cool. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, we'll just keep plugging it from this end. So if you haven't, if you haven't uh, listened to Glory Cloud, go do that. Um, I am one hundred percent a hypocrite right now because I'm I, I'm so far behind. <laughs> I haven't even touched your uh, God Heaven and Armageddon. Like that, that's how far behind I am. Uh, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm catching up fast and furiously. It's I, I finally got my act together and things are working. So I'll be there, man. Soon I'll know more than you uh, do about what you said. <laughs> I'm awesome. looking forward to that part. I'm going to quote you and I'm going to actually, actually, Chris, what you said was. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, anyways, thanks, bro. Appreciate uh, the time again. And uh, go read some Kahlberg. And if anyone finds a picture of this guy... I will, I'll do something very nice for you. I don't know what that will be, but I'll give you money. I'll give you money. How's that sound? I'll wire some money into your bank account. Give me the picture. I mean, just like I want, I want it. And um, it'll be kind of like one of those, uh, it'll be like, keep the picture fuzzy. It'll be like in that collector's item, you know, <laughs> you know things that only I have. Uh, but anyway, cool. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, Mike. Bye. Bye.